Hey, this is Jordan Sutton, pastor at Clearpath Church. Thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast. We appreciate you listening. A little about our community. We love to come together. We love to come to the Lord's table together. Uh, we're a community trying to be led by the Spirit, just walking through Scripture together, walking through life together. If this message is an encouragement to you, bring some hope to your life at the end of the sermon. There'll be a little bit of information about how you can get in touch with us. Stay tuned, and thanks for joining. Just read the words of, of Peter. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who's called us by glory and virtue. And so, Lord, I just pray that that truth would resonate right now, that all things have been given. All things have been given, Lord. Just say that with me. All things have been given. Lord, I pray that that would resonate in us, that we aren't lacking anything, that you have made provision for us to be formed and shaped in you in the fullness of the image of who you've called us to be. I just pray that you make us available to be recalibrated today, available to be moved today, to be inspired, to be corrected, to be humbled, to be strengthened, to be powered, Lord, wherever we are. God, I pray that there would be just the sense of your sustaining word to us. God, I pray as the Apostle Paul prayed in Ephesians 1, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would be present, that we might know you, we might know the hope to which we're called, we might know all that you've made available to those who believe in you. I pray that you would nourish us this morning, God, as we come to your word, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. How many of you are thankful to be worshiping Jesus today? Come on. All right. Well, we've been gone, and we're happy to be back. We were back this last week, but I haven't, haven't preached in a while, five weeks. So if I have to kick the rust off, you have to, you have to give me grace for that. Um, I, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to be here, though, and share with you guys this morning. And uh, you know what I love in Texas, coming back to this? I'm, I don't know if I'm a deranged person, but I love coming back to the heat. And <laughs> something wrong with you, son. <laughs> I was, yes, and you were, you were hating on the heat. But I do this strange thing where in, even in the middle of summer, especially in the middle of summer, if it's a 100-degree day out and I have to come out to my car and I've been inside the AC all day, I'll sit in my car for five or ten minutes with no AC on. And you know what? Uh, people like, oh, thank you. People like, why would you do that? I'm like, people pay a lot of money to go sit in hot places at a spa, and I have a spa every day. 
in my super hot car. And so I'm very thankful um, for the Texas heat. And uh, yes, I was, we were mowing this week and just sweats just like, I don't know if I've jumped in the pool or if I'm just covered in sweat. But anyway, I, uh, I am excited to be back. And I do, I do enjoy the Texas heat. If I had to choose to be where Daniel's from and have negative 70 wind chills or to have 110 heat index, I'll take 110 heat index all day long, baby. Um, but amen to that. Um, but I want to talk to you. I'm excited to talk to you about the work of the Lord this morning. And that's my title, the sermon. I'm, I'm bad at sermon titles, so I just go with very blatantly obvious ones. So sermon titles, the work of God today. And before I do, I'll tell you about a dream that Andrew and I have. So we have this dream. How many of you ever heard of this thing called the, the Camino de Santiago? It, it, in English, they call it the way, the way of St. James. And it's this 500-mile pilgrimage through. There's some different places. Some people go through Portugal, but France and Spain. And people walk sometimes close to 15, 20 miles a day. And you're walking for what most people finish. A lot of people try to finish in 40 days to... Um, uh, to the end of this journey at this church at, that's that's in um, my brain just glitched on the on the name I just said uh, Campiano Compostello de anyway yes do what Compostello de Santiago anyway the name of the city that you end at after this long walk and you arrive there and it's actually some people continue a few days to the ocean so that they can look at the edge of the Pacific Ocean, but you end at this church, and the reason that people do this walk, many people do this walk, actually, thousands of people do this walk every year, and this, it goes back to um, about the 10th century, there was this, this, this thing that sort of happening where the, the, a lot of legends, and some of this isn't like blatantly true, but this belief that St. James had gone to Spain and he'd gone to this particular city and he had preached the gospel and a dream had led him to go back to Judea. And I don't know that that's historically confirmable, but that's, that's the legend. And so the, the legend says that James was brought and buried back in this church. And so it just sort of happened that in the middle, of age, middle ages, Christians would go on these pilgrimages to pray and to talk to God. And, and so for several hundred years, this became one of the main pilgrimage routes in Europe, in the Western world. And, and so in the last number of decades, a lot more people have started to take this path as a place to pray and as a place to recalibrate. And, and many people go on this at, during transitions and during times where they're reflecting. And you walk uh, and you go from hostel to hostel. You know, you pr you, there's churches at every town and everybody comes, even the atheists come who are on the walk and they go and pray because they're in this sort of space of reflection. And so Andrew and I have the interest at some point to do this, but because we don't get 40 days break from parenting, we are going to wait and do this when our kids graduate high school. And so at the end of this trip, we got to go on this trip. We were very, very, very thankful. We went, you know, my parents and I uh, and my siblings went because um, my parents invited us. We also got to go on the front end of this trip to see the brewers, which are doing which are doing great 
in, in Oxford, and, and we went to hang out with my family. And then at the end of the trip, Andrew and I got, we were going to have five days, five nights alone in Ireland, and my kids were going to go on the 11-hour flight back with my parents. And so if you get five days alone with no kids and you don't have to do the 11-hour flight with them, this is like, you know, you know that part of the Sistine Chapel where God, you know, is touching David's hand? This is that moment, like heaven is, and so we, we found this, this walk that we didn't know about that was a three-day walk called the Cary Camino, a little smaller than the one, but it was this walk that even dating back to the Middle Ages, that's, that the the pilgrims, the Christian pilgrims in Ireland, they would walk down and take this path to go to the Camino de Santiago. So it was like the beginning, the journey of the walk. And that works because in a true pilgrimage, you start when you, when you walk out the door. So you end at a place, but you're, you're, you don't really know when the journey began. So, so we got to begin our Camino this year. Ireland, I want to show you a couple of pictures um, from this, look at these beautiful pictures of Ireland. You, what we're walking. I have to say this. So, really quick, before I before I carry on, Andrea, we we Andrea has never been on a multi-day walk like this, and she was, and there were a lot of ups and downs, and she toughed this thing out. I mean, 10, 15 miles a day, you know, it sounds like a nice, easy walk, but it's it's a it's a reasonable bit of effort. Keep keep. She, she did. There's little pictures of the ocean. Andrea would take these flowers and she would turn these flowers and, and crush them into little pages so that she could have a collage of all the colors that we saw in the walk, which was cool. Keep going. This was, the, this was the most interesting thing, was that when we were on this walk, we would go through gates and walk through people's farmland. And it was marked that way. The problem is, in Texas, if you did that, you would just get shot. Like, no questions asked. You know, I have multiple, know multiple people who own property, and they have a sign. We don't ask questions. We shoot. And, and so sometimes they would, but, they, but this was all known. You know, they're, they're, it's part of the marked path. You'd sometimes walk over these gates with these little deals and then showed this one. So this is... This is the end of one of the days. This is coming into Anaskal, which when you're doing a pilgrimage, you, you are coming and staying at like either hostels or small like bed and breakfasts, and you come to these tiny... Here, go back to that one for a second. You come to these tiny villages, but when, if you've walked for 15 miles, like when you start seeing a village like two miles away, it's pretty encouraging. Like I'm, I'm reasonably, in reasonably good shape, and still, you know, 13 miles in, I'm like, okay, let's get over here, eat some food. And then finally, you walk um, all the way in to, this is Dingle Bay, which we won't talk about the naming of this city. Um, could, they could have done a better job considering modern development. But um, it was quite a thing to walk into the city of Dingle and, <laughs> and come to the final church that you would go to. Um, the coolest thing, thank you for showing those, by the way. Um, the coolest thing about it was that I didn't know is that Irish people are the most kind people on the planet. And so 
we were walking up this, the, this path one day, and we started talking to this guy, and, and you know, he was telling us about his house and his living, and he was like, what, do you want to come inside? And we were like, okay, we're going inside. And so we walked, and he, was, he kept saying, it's so lovely to have somebody call. And I guess call in the vernacular means come inside. And he was like, most of the walkers, they just stay at the gate. I don't understand. And so we walked into his house and, and experienced, um, he, had, you know, he had been raised in that home. His kids were raised in that home. His dad was raised in that home. His grandfather was raised in that home. His great-grandfather built the home. You know, 150 years of family history. And he talked about the community that they lived with. And we just we kept experiencing these same kinds of stories as we walked. Um, but as we came in to, this, uh, to the end of this, this journey, we're walking into the Dingle Bay, unfortunately named. And we're like, it, we're pretty moved. And you, you go and you find the church because you end at, at, at this church. And, oh, I forgot to show... This, I forgot this one picture that I wanted to show you, the main picture I wanted to show you, but I can, you can imagine. We go, we find our way. Andrea is re-questioning the dream of, of walking 40 miles, and no, she'll do it. <laughs> but we're getting there, and we're walking up to this church, and you're like, okay, we've, been, we've met people, we've talked with people, we've prayed, you know, We've slept in like these tiny tubular homes and it's the end of the journey. And I'm walking up to the door. I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. Am I supposed to like throw ash in the air? Or... And I walk up to the door. I'm like, well, just we'll go inside. And the door is shut. And I, you know, I know the scripture, you know, God opens the doors, no one can shut, shuts doors, no one can open, so I'm going to find a way into this dang church. I've just walked three miles, three, three days, and we walk around, we try to figure out, is there a window open I can climb in through, there's like a back door, no way into this church. And it's a little bit like, like, you know, anticlimactic to walk three days. And I sat there, you know, needing to take a rest because we had another mile to walk to our accommodation. And I looked at this door and I just realized how much of life is like that. You make a lot of effort, you go a long ways, you do a lot of things and you get to the end of the path and there's a closed door. And so I wrote this poem, very short poem that I want to read to you. We walked to the door, the door that was closed. But as we went, others would open. Crushed flowers between pages, tea in the cabinet. Old ones lost, young ones too. The fog will lift when it lifts. The path is never the same, even in our memory. And every gate is unlocked differently. How many of you have ever been down a long journey in life only to find that the door was shut? Anybody else or am I the only one? And I think that life being led by the Spirit is kind of like a long walk or a pilgrimage. We, we have to walk 
on purpose, but we walk with a willingness to be interrupted, to go through different doors. We walk knowing that sometimes the ends that we imagine won't be the doors we walk into anyway. Josh and Danny are back um, taking care of the kids this morning. I asked him his permission to share the story, and I've heard him tell it a number of times. When he was in college, he went to Hardin-Simmons in Abilene. If you know anything about Josh, Josh is a pretty conscientious person. And so he had a very high GPA, maybe a 4.0. I don't know if it was a 4.0, but it was a very high GPA. And he was basically... He wanted to go on and be a physical therapist. And so he did all the prerequisite. There's no actual undergrad for prereq for physical therapy. So he technically has a business degree. But he, all of his selection his of courses were built around having all the appropriate prereqs to go on to physical therapy school. And when you go to physical therapy school, it's a sort of multi-year process where you end up with a PhD. You do a lot of practicum and work. And he had... 2,000 hours more um, time under supervision than most all the other people applying, and he had a higher GPA than most all the other people applying. And he got declined not once, but twice from the two only places that he had, you know, he would have, you know, been able to go to. And still to this day, he's like, I have no idea why. Like, there would be no, there's no reason you know, he would have done everything exactly the right way. It was what he had imagined he was going to be doing for years. And when that happened, he just thought, well, I don't, what do I do next? And so he had this friend who was going to pursue social work masters. And he was like, well, I guess I can do that. And prayed and, and didn't, I mean, you, when you think for years, I'm doing one thing, and you prepare diligently beyond other people to do one thing, and then the doors close, you go, well, what do I do? So he did that. He was praying and he talked to the counselor and they were like, well, you'll need to apply for the loans on this day. And the day before, he still didn't know what he was doing. And he said, um, you know, Lord, I guess I'm going to do like Gideon and just put a, I, how do I put a fleece out for this thing? Like, what do I do to do something like a fleece to get, to get some sort of sense that you might be speaking to me? And he walked into the office with the, uh, with the person who was helping him with the school, putting everything together, and she said, you know, sometimes you just need to put out a fleece before the Lord. And he took that, a many number of things in his life would be different. It's important that we remember, it's important that we remember in a culture that tells us to go pursue what's in our heart. It's important that we remember that not every door that you imagine will be open at the end of the journey is going to be open. Even the ones you might pray 10,000 hours over. The path of following God and being led by the Spirit is one where we are continually reminded that God is at work all around us. He's at work at every open door that I might walk through along the path. I think it's why David in Psalm 84 says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they will make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. 
To be someone whose heart is set on pilgrimage with God means that I am available to continue to encounter Him everywhere I go along the way. I'm willing to dream with God about possibilities, but I'm also willing to hold those dreams and those ends loosely. There's really only one open door that we should all have our eyes fixed on. And it's the door that will open in the heavens as we ascend and we go to be seated with Jesus. And we're brought in and we're received to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's the open door I want my eyes set on. James actually rebukes this kind of thinking that focuses and fascinates so much with our ambitions. He says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to, to, to this or that and we will spend a year there or carry on business or make money. Why do you not, do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if, the, if it is the Lord's will, we, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So James says, since we're talking about the pilgrimage of James, James says, don't obsess over what's happening tomorrow. There is good to do today. And to ignore it is sin. Amen. Yesterday I, I talked with Andrea, and maybe it's, maybe it's with all the travel and the ups and downs. We had just moments of great connecting with God, but I just, I told Andrew, I was like, you know, I was like, I think somewhere in the last four or five weeks, I have lost my spiritual fervor, my like, my intensity of focus with God. And I just, I just told her, I said, I'm not going to let that stay that way. Like, I've been on a journey, and that journey has taken me different directions and different places, and and through different, through different moments. But I'm not going to let the devil rob me of my focus of staying with my eyes set on God's journey for me. As soon as it became apparent to me, I just decided I'm, I'm done letting the devil, devil rob my focus. It's like been, I thought about this this morning when I was thinking about talking to you. It's been a month since I've like laid down on the ground and at least a month, <laughs> since I've laid down on the ground and felt that desperate, God, I need you. But you know what I'm going to do tomorrow? I'm going to lay on the ground. I'm going to lay on my face before the Lord and say, God, I need you. Because I'm a weak and broken man without my dependence on God. And the easiest way for me to get distracted from my dependence on him is to become fascinated and, in, and, and captured by all the things that I think I'm doing. I guess I'm the only one who gets distracted.
This is the journey with God that we stay open to growing. We stay open to his harvesting, to his pruning, to his caretaking. He's a good gardener. I, I think that people, I think one of the things that Christians do too much now is because we, we want so badly to feel at rest, to feel peace, is when we feel any word of correction from the Lord or calling higher, we're, we're like, oh, that, that's probably just shame talking. That's probably just shame. I don't need to, I'm, I'm totally, I'm good how I am. But actually, the Lord corrects me quite often, as it, as it seems. How many of you, you know, if all you get is correction, that's probably a problem, I would assume. But if, you, but if, you're, if we're constantly shielding ourselves to not being reminded that he keeps calling us and wooing us back, then we might be hiding from what God is saying. Look, look what John 15, 1 through 4. I'm just reading an old faith. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Do you know what this means? This means I've watched plants grow some in my life, not, not as much as others. And do you know that every plant at some point is going to have a branch that does not do what? It does not bear fruit. You know, that's normal. So guess what? There's going to be branches in you that don't bear fruit. He cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he does what? Prunes. So you get cut either way. <laughs> so that it will be even more fruitful. Yay. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And so we must remain in him. We must remain with him on the journey. Ryan and Randy, at the beginning of our trip, they asked us the question, what is it that you're asking the Lord? What is it that you want God to speak to you while, while you're away? And I thought about it, and I said, I think that the thing I want the Lord to most speak about is my labor. I have this prayer with the Lord that I want to bear good and genuine kingdom fruit. How many of you want to bear good and kingdom? This has been on my prayer the last few months. God, I want to bear genuine kingdom fruit that's obvious. Like I want it to come out of my life. I want to be patient and kind and loving and, and pouring into people and giving of myself. And sometimes I am those things and sometimes I'm not those things. <laughs> and I, but I just want to bear greater fruit. I want to bear greater fruit. And I, I'm asking that question in prayer, like, Lord, am I bearing the fruit that you want? And the truth is, most of the time of this last year, I've probably been, in the last year or so, I've probably been as focused on God as, as I have been in a long time. Um, but that doesn't matter. I want to keep going. I want to bear fruit that remains. And so I want to read to you, um, about the work of God, and we're going to, I won't be long, I'm going to, because I've already given this little intro, I want to read to you through, through John 6 about the work that Jesus calls us to. It's very simple. The work that Jesus calls us to, simple is not the right word. It's very clear what he, what he asks for. And so, um, but, but there, I want to tell you why I got to John 6. This is just how beautiful God works Andrew and I, 
At the end of the trip, we got done with the pilgrimage. Yay, high five. I get in. I, I made this, you know, don't know why I did this. But I made, I, they were like, we were at the airport, and they were like, sir, we have you in this tiny, you know, car, which I thought was a good idea. I had driven before in other countries where there were smaller roads, and it's a good idea to have a small car. They were like, it's also manual. Will that be fine with you? Sure, I know how to drive a manual. And it hit me as I was walking towards the car, and I had already settled on all this. This is all going to be backwards, which I can handle driving on the wrong side of the road, but I'm, I'm now over here. This is like, so, so I get in the car, we drive up, we accidentally go on a route that takes us on a boat, on a car ferry where you load your boat up, and I'm like, look, you know, driving this backwards stick shift onto a ferry, and we're getting up, and we get to this place called, this was a little stressful, I'm going to be honest with you. I stalled out a few times. I'm reasonable at driving a manual, but the backwards thing was working my brain. And so I, uh, we get up there, and we're going into the city, and we're tired because we've been driving all day, and we're like, we're here for one night, so we got to go into the city and have dinner. And we're walking, and we're like, you know what? We're about to walk in the city. You know what we need right now is espresso. And that's something that's more available in Europe than here. And so we, we just stop, and we go, oh, there's a coffee shop. I'm going to stop and grab some espresso. We walk in. We're like sitting down, tired, just sipping our espresso at 6 p.m. Only psychopaths are drinking espresso at 6 p.m. And we're sitting there. And all of a sudden, I hear this guy behind me say, they, they say something like, you know, like, you know, he says, well, we went ahead and got married while we were in Texas. And like, we're in a tiny town in Ireland. And not that many people know, like, all they know of Texas is that you guys must ride horses all the time and people are shooting guns everywhere. Like, and, uh, you know, <laughs> there are a lot of guns. <laughs> There are a reasonable number of guns, so um, that that much is true. And so we're sitting there, and I I turn around and I just like feel that moment. I'm like, hey, I'm like, I'm sorry to be eavesdropping, but did you say you were in Texas? And he was like, oh yeah, yeah. I won't even try to do that because my brain, I can't do an accent right now. I um I so anyway, not gonna do it. But this like 20 year old who used more Gen Z phrases than I've, I don't even use the word, Gen Z has never even come out of my mouth, but like he used more phrases of vernacular than I've ever heard but anybody. And we were just having this conversation. And so I turn around, I start talking to this guy and he, he is like, oh yeah, man, we're down there. And I just knew, like as soon as he said, I was just like, this is a connection. I was like, where were you? And he was like, we were in Waco. I knew as soon as he said that, that we're going to be connected to Antioch. But I was a little nervous to ask this. So I said, so you guys got to connect your... He, the story was his wife's family was in Waco. And so he got married there before they were going to get married in Ireland. And so he, um, I said, well, do you have any connection? Do you have any connection with Baylor? He was like, no, not really. He's like, we saw that though. I was like, long shot, Antioch Church, any connection? He's like, oh, yeah. He said, actually, my wife's parents were missionaries in the Middle East with Antioch. I was like, okay, Lord. And so 
Anyways, we talk, we have this, this conversation, and I walk out, and I'm like, no, you need to pray over this guy's marriage. You literally just, you, you literally just met this guy in a random coffee shop. Like, so I come back, and I'm like, hey, can I pray for you? And what happened from that was, I think I've told you guys that, like, I try to, when I meet people, and there's an opportunity to minister to them, I try to give, I try to take them through the book of John. And some people do this, some people run with it, some people don't, some people finish half, go halfway, and some people go, but this guy, he was like, yes, absolutely, I really need to be going back to the scripture. I mean, I don't know what he said, but he's like, yes, and so I was like, okay, we'll see how this goes, and so the next day, he sent me his video of, like, I, I have, we, I read the book of John with people, and they'll send me, like, a one-minute take on each chapter each day, and so we've been doing this, and so I read John 6 yesterday, because this guy, the way he impacted my life, put me on this journey. And I'm saying all that to say, I'm like moving with the Lord. And the Spirit is leading in such a way that I'm sitting here having espresso. This guy's talking about Texas. And God opens up a, you know, something in him. And then we start reading the Scripture together. And I'm preaching now on a text that we're studying together. Like this is like... The kingdom is like a million ping pong balls just hitting lots of different. And if we if we if we will not fixate on the road at the end, and we at the door at the end, and see that there's open doors all around us, God will work. And so, I'm just saying all that to say, like this this guy. And the crazy thing is, Andrew and I were sitting there praying, and we've been praying about some way to lean into this. We, you, we've talked about it. I don't want to re-explain, hash it. But we've been praying about some way to lean into this monastic prayer call that we feel led to. And we live off of St. Francis. And so that's been a, St. Francis, his life has been a significant part of that. And a lot of times when I get these, when I God is speaking to me, I'll, something about St. Francis will, will come up. And St. Anthony. These are two who was a desert father. And so we walk outside, and I realize we're on St. Francis Street. And we're at the intersection of St. Francis and St. Anthony. And I'm just like, okay, Lord, so you're doing something. Not to mention our hotel the next night was across from St. Francis Street. New city. <laughs> anyway, but that's just, I'm just saying, that's the way the work. And so here's what John 6 says that I want to talk to you about. Um, it says in John 6, 25 through 29, I love this. This is, this is, what is the work of God? It says, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get there? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you were looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not look for the food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him... God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must, we, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered him, the work of this, work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. I want to tell you this, that the greatest work in your life and the greatest struggle in your life is going to be to believe in Jesus. I know that sounds simple, but I cannot, I, 
so many times I've been willing to wake up and do the jobs that God has led me to without remaining steadfast in the work of just believing Him in the midst of the labor. So part of the story of this pilgrimage thing was that we had a flight delayed by, by Air France, which seems appropriate for the French. And so we, we are going to, um, we thought we were going to be in Ireland at noon to walk, and we got there. We got to our destination about four. There's a limited amount of light in a day. And so we're like figuring out what to do. There's no real people we can reach out to because it's just a walk, you know. And so we figure out that there's this bus in the city that they could get us like th three miles ahead where you're just like going walking through the city. They can cut us off three miles. We can get off at this exact bus and we could cut off three miles and that might get us there at 9, nine or 9.30, 10 o'clock. And, you know, we've got a check-in time at 10.30. So we're like, you know, and so we're, we're pretty nervous. We get off the plane, we get the car, we go, we're driving, we, we get into the city. We don't even have like water or food yet because we've just arrived. So we go to this grocery store. We, we go to Aldi. Aldi is there. Thank, praise God. And so we go into Aldi and we kind of know Aldi and we're like walking through, get this, 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 because we're running. I mean, it's time. Like it's like four o'clock and we got to get to the bus station that's leaving at 4.15. We get like, there's no individual water. So I buy like like 10 one-gallon water things, and we take this out, and we have to, we don't have, because I'm dumb, I didn't bring my camel back, I didn't do any of that, and so we just strap this one giant water bottle in this really awkward way on my pack in a way that you can never get to it or use it, and we get on, Andrea is trying to use the restroom, and we get on the bus at, with one minute to spare, and I'm telling you, this is like, so we go on this deal and we walk. And about halfway into this walk, do you know what you get when you walk a long ways? You get thirsty. And this thing is strapped on in a way where I don't really want to take it off. Like, it's like, it was, a, it was an effort to get this thing. And so finally we did, I'm like, Andrew, I'm like, I'm terrible on these things because I'm like, Let's just go one more mile. And she's back there just like dragging. I'm like, one more mile. You can, you know, I like full on coach mode comes out of me. When we are sprint, we are literally sprinting to get to our accommodation and not be sleeping in the dark at night in Ireland. And so we're, we're doing this thing. I'm like, we'll get water later, you know, like, <laughs> and I get there and I'm like, fine, okay, fine, let's just get some water. And so I pour the water in the thing, and, and uh, we decide to pull out this other, you know, we have another water bottle. We pour some water in that to make it a little more accessible. And we often approach our belief in Jesus like some truth that's buried way down in our pack that we're not going to take out that often that we're going to get somewhere eventually and need it. But the truth of believing in Jesus is the water that sustains you every minute. You don't, this isn't a truth that you, like N.T. Wright says, you put in your pocket. You don't put the truth of the gospel in the pack. It's something that transforms you and compels you and leads you and sustains you. And it has to be daily accessible. Your work of faith isn't your passport that gets you through the customs line of faith day by day. 
You don't just get to throw it back there and carry it. That is what we would call missing the point of the water. I'm going to carry this water to the entire way, to the destination that also has water. <laughs> no, it's meant to be there to sustain you. When Jesus says the work is to believe the one whom the Father sent, it is the actual work that we participate with, that we remain steadfast in our faith day by day, that we exercise it. Toby preached last week from Matthew 6, which speaks about all this work that can distract us. Jesus talks, he, he says, you don't, like, look at the birds, they're fed. Look at, look at the flowers, they're clothed. The, your heavenly Father knows you need food and clothing and all these things. Like, He knows you need those things. Don't let those things distract you. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. And yet I feel like a lot of times we're doing the walking work and we're leading the main work of drinking the life of Jesus. We're leaving that to the side. We've got it buried somewhere while we're doing our thing. The work of God is to do this. Believe in the one he has sent. The mustard seed of faith grows into a tree that brings safety and rest for others when it is sown into the ground and the gardener cares for it. As we continue to read, John 6.35, which I've covered numerous times here, it says, uh, I'll read it. Jesus said to him, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you bread from heaven, but is my Father who gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives the life of the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Jesus declared to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. So Jesus is speaking in context to Israelites about manna, and they would have known and told the story of the manna to their ancestors. They would have known that the way, if you know the story, God provides manna on the ground daily. They have to go out and get it, and that sustains them. If they get food for two days, the next day rots. They have to be fed daily. The spiritual life rooted in Christ is not a pantry that you fill once in a while. It's daily coming to the table to eat. You don't just get the belief in the one who sent, put it in the backpack, and that's a status upgrade on a video game and walk through your life. This is the daily bread, guys. The daily bread isn't getting to the end and like, oh gosh, the door is open. It worked. The daily bread is living and eating with Jesus throughout the whole journey, every step of the way. I don't wake up in the morning to seek the Lord because it gives me heavenly brownie points. I wake up in the morning because I need to feast on, the, on daily on heaven and remain steadfast in the work of God, which is what? Somebody yell at me what the work of God is. Believe in the one who sent, who, who the Father sent. Believe him. Believe him. 
So here's my commitment. I'm telling you today, I haven't been doing this for four, for last four or five weeks. You know what I'm going to do tomorrow? I'm going to lay down on my face because I'm weird, yes, but also because I need to be reminded that I'm, I need him daily. You don't have to lay down on your face. That's not the point. The point is that we need to come to him daily to believe the, the work in our life. It's not all the things we think we're doing. The work is remaining steadfast in, the midst, in our belief in the midst of all of it. Because not everything's going to go out how you pray it to go out. I can pray 10,000 hours for something to happen. And sometimes, if you have any experience in life, it does not happen. The work is believing him in the midst of all of that. That's why Jesus says the enemy comes to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. And I come that you might have life and life abundantly. The enemy is always trying to rob us at the work of just believing him. So there's two statements. I'm, I'm quitting now. The two statements I want to draw your attention to are that Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And he says, this is the work of God, to believe in the one he has sent. This is the work of God, to believe in the one he has sent. So his work is to be the gardener. I am not the pruner. I am not the grower. I'm not the one that makes sure that plant's perfectly positioned to bear fruit. His work is the gardener. My work is to do what? Believe. Believe steadfastly. And I want to shift this for you. I want you to see this. Many of you are carrying your belief in Jesus in your backpack. You don't put it in your backpack. You take it out every day and you live off that. How many of you have gotten discouraged? What water do you need right now? What's the work? Believe. How many of you have gotten tired? Believe. How many of you have gotten distracted off of what you're doing? What do you got to come back to? Believe. You've got this, I, this, I don't know how to explain this in a different way. I just, I, this is some, it will change your life if you will catch this truth that we are supposed to come to this belief daily. What is not going to fix your life or make it better is the door that you're walking towards being open. That's the lie. The lie is the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. That was an Irish thing. I didn't think about that. <laughs> the truth is that Jesus is present and faithful with us everywhere we go. Okay. The work of believing in him doesn't stop in the secret place. Guess what? Like, I get to sow the belief all the time, all the time. I get to sow it and give it to others. And I get to share with people what God's done in me. 
I get to listen and hear. And in all those moments, I'm continually coming back to the water to keep sowing my faith. And so I just want to, I want to give a chance if you feel um, like you've got the belief in your backpack or in your pocket and you need to take out your faith and exercise it daily, I want to have you stand with me. You can do, I'm recalibrating. Tomorrow I'm going to be laying on my face. You can do your thing. But I want you to stand with me. If you feel like distracted and you need to pull the faith out of the backpack, this is what we do, guys. This is the journey. I don't know how many Christians you've met who were just like, you know what, up and to the right, 60 years, perfect. <laughs> That's not the way it goes, guys. We repent, we keep turning, we keep coming back, we keep letting him. And so I just want you to just open your hands. I want you to pray a simple prayer. Just you own quietly how you want to help me, help me believe again. Help me believe. Restore my faith. Just a simple prayer. Restore my faith in you. Help me trust in you. God, I pray that every person would stop seeing the battle through the lens of their ambitions. And they would start realizing that Satan is making war against this one thing. There's simple trust in you. So Lord, I pray peace would overcome people right now and that you would refocus our hearts to be believers. Let's come to the table and we'll receive together. Your body is broken. Your blood is poured out. Um, all our ways are imperfect before you. My thoughts broken without you. I'm, and I'm weak without you, God. But if I come daily to your meal, I'm sustained, Lord. And so, Lord, I just pray that your grace and mercy and your presence would just fill this place, that we would be attentive to the meal you're providing us every day, that we would be open to your encounter that's everywhere, Lord. And so, Lord, we just say thank you right now. I just want you to offer thanks to him. He has, he has made a sacrifice that is the ultimate sacrifice. We say thank you, Lord. That even as Romans said, that we become like you in death, how, the, how much more will we share in this resurrection? Lord, we, we bless you, Jesus. We thank you, God. We thank you, Lord. I pray that we would recognize that we're not just approaching a symbol here, but that we're coming to your table. So let this nourish us with your presence. In Jesus' name, in reverence, you may receive. We hope you enjoyed this episode from Clearpath Church in Dallas, Texas. If you'd like more info to visit us on a Sunday morning or to subscribe to our newsletter, check us out at www.clearpathdallas.com. Follow us on Instagram at Clearpath Dallas. Thanks for listening.
Yeah.